this morning is John chapter 19, verse 23 through 27. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Thank you, Claire. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this day of worship. And Lord, Lord, our heart is just to be yours. God, we want to be yours completely. God, we want to know you as you truly are. And we want to... Lord, give more of our hearts away to you. Lord, for that's where they belong. Lord, we thank you so much for the love that you have for us, love that gave your one and only Son, so that whosoever might believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, as we draw to your word today, we ask that you would speak. I can't speak to hearts, only you can, God. Lord, my words are not living your words are, God. And I pray today that, Lord, you would use your word and your spirit, God, in a way that brings us what we need the most, and that is a relationship with you, nearness to you, surrender to you, God. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen. Well, again, good morning. (laughs) Thank you. It's good to be noticed. Um, (laughs) It's great to see you guys this morning. We are so glad to have you worshiping with us today. Uh, So glad, especially if you're a guest this morning. I'm just so thankful that you're here, and I hope you feel home here. We're just a little church. We love Jesus. We started on the island in a house. We moved to a school and then to a hotel, and then we found ourselves here by God's grace, and we just continue to be a big family who's united in love of Jesus and wanting to make Memphis a better place, our world a better place, as we proclaim his gospel and help others uh, to know him. And we're just so glad that you're here. We are in the middle of a series, if you can't tell already. Uh, That series is called Redemption's Hill. And it started a few weeks ago. Don't worry if you're here for the first time today, you'll you'll be fine. We're gonna continue up through Easter Sunday. But the focus of the series is this, that we might love Jesus more, that we might learn to see him, learn to savor him for who he truly is and for what he has done for us, specifically what he has done for us on the cross, what he did for us as he gave his life for us on the cross. There is great significance for us to peer into the window of these last hours of his life to truly understand what he is doing there, what he is accomplishing there, what it means for us 
And ultimately, we will lead to the fact that he is going to be put into the grave and he is going to rise again and he is alive today and we will celebrate that together on Easter. But until then, we are just looking at the cross. We are setting our hearts and our minds and we are asking God, God, help me to treasure you more. And I pray that's your prayer right now in your heart. God, help me to treasure Jesus more. Give me a glimpse today into Christ crucified for me that I didn't have before I came in. Help me to savor him more. And I, that's just my heart. I'm, I'm like John the Baptist there in John chapter one. I don't maybe look like John the Baptist, or at least I hope I don't. He was a kind of crazy dude. But in the same token, I'm like, I'm not the light. I'm trying to point you to the light. And I'm just saying, behold the lamb. I'm looking away from myself and I'm today pointing to the cross and I'm just wanting to say, behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. You today need to know the lamb, the lamb that was given by God, the perfect lamb, his son, Jesus. You today need to behold him. You need to see him for who he is and you need to grasp what he's done and you need to realize that he's done it for you. So just let me point your attention today as we've done these last weeks to the lamb of God. We've been taking kind of an interesting approach. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, looking at the seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. If you study the scripture, what you learn, if you haven't been here for the last few weeks, I'll just catch up. Jesus says seven things from the cross. And what we know is that the last moments of a person's life, the words are especially significant. We usually draw close to hear what someone is going to say before they die. They're very significant and they're very intentional. Jesus, of all people, everything that he says from the cross is of great significance and great intentionality. And each of these phrases help us to learn part of why he's there. This week, we're on the third saying of Jesus from the cross. And so if you're taking notes, we are going to be in John chapter 19 if you've got your Bible. And you do have note cards in your chair. I always encourage you to take notes, to be a student of the word, so that you're not just a hearer of the word, but you can be a doer of the word, and also that you can teach others the things that God teaches you. Take notes this morning. We're going to be on the third saying of Jesus from the cross. Just to remember where we are, it's Friday in Jerusalem. Jesus has been accused of crimes that he did not commit. He has been put before rulers of his day. He has been mocked. This is, our, this is the Son of God, our perfect Savior. He has been mocked. He has been spat upon. He has been beaten until his flesh looks like a gory pulp. He has been condemned unjustly. The crowds are railing at him. Crucify him! Crucify him! The procession has left toward Calvary, the place known as the skull, that place where crosses would be lined up in a very public way just outside the Damascus gate. Jesus has been led there, barely able to move by this point, continuing to be railed at, continuing to be mocked, continuing to experience some of the greatest physical agony and torment that any any human could imagine suffering. And again, completely innocent. Completely innocent. If there is anyone that is not deserving of this, it is Jesus. We saw him two weeks ago as they are nailing him 
putting his, stretching his arms out wide and his feet down low. And as they're putting nails through his hands and through his feet, as Jesus is praying all the while, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Reminding us that he is on the cross to give himself as forgiveness for all who would believe and receive He is paying the debt that you and I have with God so that we can be debt-free. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Last week we looked as the cross is raised up and jolted into the crown. His body shakes violently. He's hanging there in extreme agony for you and for me. And we see the criminals, one to the right and one to the left. And we realize that not every person that Jesus offers forgiveness to will actually receive his forgiveness. For one rails at him and the other humbles himself. The one who humbles himself and cries out for mercy, the one who says, oh, just remember me when you come into your kingdom, recognizing that he has the ability to save, that he is the savior. To him, Jesus says today, you will be with me in paradise. Forgiveness applied in a personal way when one trusts Jesus. This is what Christ is dying to accomplish. And that criminal is still with Jesus to this very day. What a wonderful Savior. Today, we continue to look and to focus our attention on the cross as he is still hanging there. Perhaps it's been another hour or two since he promised that to that criminal, a promise that would come true. And what we realize is from John chapter 19, if you look back at your scripture, verse 25, what we see is that All this is taking place, but standing near the cross of Jesus, it says were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 55, is a parallel account. We also see that there were many women there looking on from a distance, it says, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, who had ministered to him. Among those, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of sons of Zebedee. I just want you to picture the scene. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she's there. She's not in her pregnancy years anymore like Phoebe. She's not young and of the childbearing age anymore like Michelle. She's not in her youth, in her 20s. She's probably in her 50s, probably maybe in her 60s. You can almost picture maybe a little bit of gray coming into her head. She's standing there with some other women and with John, the apostle, the only one who we know is nearby. And you can almost picture it. She's watching her son being crucified. She is witnessing her son suffer the most horrendous of deaths. She knew this was coming. She knew it was coming. Jesus had told her and told his disciples many times and she was of all a follower, a believer. She knew it was coming. But yet still her son she watches the pain 
She watches the cries. She watches the flesh being torn. She watches the mockery. And surely, she's heartbroken. All of those who loved Jesus who were there that day would have been heartbroken for sure. But Mary of all would be the most heartbroken. If you remember when Jesus, they took Jesus to the temple, much like David and Phoebe brought Ethan today, when Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple, if you remember in the account of Luke, they met a guy named Simeon. And Simeon actually prophesied over Jesus and said that Jesus would be the cause of the fall and the fall, I should do my hands like this, the fall and the rise of many in Israel, that he would give a sign that many people would reject. But he also said that Jesus would cause for a sword to pierce her own soul. Something related to Jesus would cause a sword to pierce her own soul. At this moment, you see Mary. My mom is here. I shouldn't even mention this because she's going to start crying. Even when parents look at their children and believe that their child is doing what they are called to do, when the child goes through things that hurt when they see their child suffer. I'm going to get emotional. You better stop. There's still heartbreak. Even in obedience, there's still heartbreak. There's still that emotional connection. This is Mary, who from the time she gave birth to this son, from the time he could just barely do anything, she's watched him grow old. She knows more than any person. She knows Jesus. Mama knows their children more than anybody else, right? She knows Jesus. She knows his sinless perfection. She has watched him his whole life. She knows that he is the least deserving to be in this place. And at this moment, the prophecy is fulfilled. The sword pierces her own soul with a mama's eyes she watches Jesus be nailed to that cross with a mama's ears she hears his cries of agony and distress with a mama's heart she feels that agony in her own soul and yet she's standing at the foot of the cross And there's nothing that she can do about it. She cannot lift a single finger to help. She watches as Jesus is crucified for you and for me. Knowing this is God's plan, but heartbroken at the same time. And then... From the cross, we hear the third word. I'm telling you, if you have ears to hear, if the Spirit gives you ears to hear this morning, God has a word for you. From the cross, we hear the third word. Look at your scripture, John chapter 19, verse 26. It says that when Jesus saw his mother... And the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple 
Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. What is Jesus doing here? Well, quite simply, what he's doing is he is giving Mary a new son to take care of her, to provide for her, to protect her. He is giving John, his close friend, his disciple, he is giving John responsibility to take care of his mother. In, in essence, just objectively, that's what's happening here. Now, I'm going to pull my chair up because I want to talk to you for a second. You should ask yourself two questions, all right? If, you, if you're serious about wanting to study the scripture and to think deeply into the things of God, to ask the question, okay, God, what is, what's going on here? There's two things that are kind of interesting about this saying, really interesting, all right? The first is this. You should ask yourself this question. Why is he saying this? And the reason you should ask yourself this is because you've got to do a little digging. But of all the seven sayings from the cross, this is the one saying that Jesus did not have to say. And you say, what do you mean? What I mean is that the other six sayings are either fulfillments of prophecy that Jesus had to say because it's prophecy that would be fulfilled on the cross. Or they were sayings that were necessary because of somebody else's direct question of him. They were a direct response like we studied last week. This saying seems to come out of the blue, and you need to ask yourself, why is he choosing to say this? He doesn't have to say this. Why is he saying this? Of all the seven, this is the one that he didn't have to say. What's the significance? Second question I want you to ask is this. Why is he saying it now? It's a question of timing. Do you think... It's a little bit strange that Jesus is making this provision for his mom at this point. Didn't he know he was going to die? Is he a bad planner? Did he not think about the fact that maybe his mom needed provision before this moment? Is he going, "Uh uh-oh, better take care of this real quick. Why didn't he talk to John at the Last Supper the night before? Why didn't he make this arrangement with Mary before this moment? Or or did he not know he was going to raise again? I mean, didn't Jesus say that he was going to, after three days, be raised again? Doesn't he know he's going to spend days and days with Mary and with John and the other disciples after he's put in the tomb and after he's raised again? Don't you think he could have maybe waited to talk to Mary about this stuff, you know, in three days when he's a little bit better? A little less traumatizing, perhaps? Interesting, right? What we know is that Jesus does everything in his divine sovereignty with total significance and intentionality. There's a reason he's saying it here, and there's a reason he's saying it now. So what is it? Now, see, now you're at a place where I think you're ready. And I'm ready. What is the significance? 
Well, the reason Jesus is saying this, choosing to say this at the time that he said it, is to teach us part of God's heart, part of his work on our behalf that he's accomplishing here on the cross. It's to show us part of God that we would not have known had he not said this from the cross. We are to attach what he is saying to what he is doing on the cross. That's why he's saying it, and that's why he's saying it now. And the thing that he's saying, he's saying, understand that I am dying, and part of my death is covering this. Here's what it is. If God doesn't just care for you in offering you Salvation, though he does care for you in that. But that God also cares for you. He wants to care for you. And even the smallest details of your life. God's heart for you is for the big things. And God's heart for you is for the little things. God doesn't only do what's necessary to the point that your soul might be spared from eternal separation from him. He doesn't just do what's necessary for salvation. He does what's necessary that we can have a relationship with him. And through that relationship, he does what's necessary to take care of his people. This is the heart of our God. Imagine Mary, all right? Though she's watching Jesus in her heart for Jesus, she knows, look, she knows what he's doing on the cross. He's dying for the sins of the world. But imagine, you've got to think that at some moment she might have thought, what is going to happen to me? And she probably felt guilty for thinking it. She probably thought, Because in that society, you were dependent upon your children for retirement. There was no 401k retirement plan. Your kids take care of you, right? Don't look for that. (laughs) Just kidding. I love you. But your kids take care of you. You've got to imagine at some point that she probably wondered what would happen to her. But you know she probably feels guilty about it. And what she's thinking is, I, uh, well, he's dying for the sins of the world. Probably doesn't have time for me right now. There's probably bigger things for him to think about. Maybe there's, his time is better spent taking care of everybody else. Probably we'll just leave this one and try to figure it out later. You, you almost picture that. Are there not times in your life? Let me just ask you this. Are there not times in your life with God that you think, I just don't want to burden him with that. This is too stupid. That's too insignificant. Uh, You know, God's too busy to care about me in that. The details of my struggle, you know, I just, uh, those, those, he's probably, he doesn't have time to be concerned with that. We almost have this idea that God is just concerned about our sins and our salvation. He wants to make sure that I get to heaven. But other than that, I'm not sure. So I'll figure it out on my own. 
And we thank God for the big things that he takes care of. But in the little things, sometimes we think, well, that he might, maybe that's just not so important to him. Right? With my job, with my weight, with my money, with my car that's broken, with my loneliness, with someone in my family, with my school grades, with me trying to figure out where to live, with those, there's, I know, there are burdens of your heart. There are things that go on in your mind and in your heart that you wonder. Hmm. I don't, maybe just, maybe God doesn't, it's just too trivial. I don't, I don't know if anybody could understand that or even want to take care of that. It's just too insignificant. This is why Jesus speaks from the cross. This word. It's not only for Mary, but it is for Mary, absolutely. But it's also for us. Do you hear the word now? Listen to what he speaks. The sins of the world are upon his shoulders. And yet, he's taking his final breaths, which he you can imagine the physical struggle to even speak at this point. The sins of the world. He's paying for yours and mine, one for one. The agony that he's experiencing. He is there on the cross struggling under the weight of all of us. And yet he finds the time, he finds the breath, he finds the heart to take care of his aging mom who he loves to make sure she is going to be okay. Selflessly, he turns to meet the earthly needs of those who stood at the foot of the cross. Do you hear? Do you hear what he's saying? Do you hear the heart of Jesus? I'm asking you, you hear it? The ordinary, the mundane needs of life. He cares about it from the cross. Mary, I love you. I care about you. I care about your future. I want to make sure that you are taken care of. cross, God wants you to know that he cares about you intimately and he cares about you personally. He cares about the big things and he cares about the little things. God loves you as your savior, but he also loves you as a father takes care of his son. As a son takes care of his mother as a friend takes care of their friend he loves you as a savior but he also loves you as a member of his family amen if that doesn't stagger you you need to wake your soul up because this is the most amazing love the world has ever known 
Romans chapter 8. If you flip there just real quick, and I'm closing right now. <laughs> You're going to freak out that I'm closing. What? He's only gone for 30 minutes. If you're new, I only preach 30 minutes every week. Don't worry. Plus a few. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31. Oh, that we might understand the depth of God's love. You know God cares for you so much more than you realize. So much more than you realize. Me too. He cares for you. Romans 8, verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all Read it one more time. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Paul here is arguing from the greater to the lesser. He's saying that if you can understand that Christ is on the cross to pay your humongous, filthy, nasty sin debt that you deserve to pay for eternally away from God and hell. If he's on the cross to pay for that for you, if you can believe him for your salvation, the eternal salvation of your soul, the rescue of you for God, if you know that God didn't spare him for that, if you can believe him for the great thing, then you should also know that he's going to take care of every little thing in your life along the way. If he didn't spare Jesus for your soul, he's certainly not going to spare every good thing that you need to live in a relationship with him. That's why he goes on and says, Oh, you are more than conquerors. Through him who loves you. Through the love of God. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Personal. Intimate. Wonderful. Care. Of Jesus Christ. Jesus not only is on the cross to accomplish your salvation. He's on the cross to accomplish every good thing in your life that you will ever enjoy. And every bad thing in your life that he will turn for good. Every good gift that you receive is not deserved. It is a gift that the blood of Jesus bought for you on the cross. Amen? Woman. Mary. Don't you know that I'm here? Yeah, for your sin and the whole world. But while I'm here, I haven't forgotten you. I'm looking out for you. I'm dying, and I will take care of you. That's why 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 encourages us. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you. Cast all of your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. He cares for you. Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burdens on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalm 139. Oh God, you hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful to me. It's too high. I cannot attain it. God cares for us in the big things. He cares for us in the small things. Imagine how this made Mary feel. At a moment when she probably wasn't expecting to ever look into his eyes to hear a personal word from his mouth again. She gets a word of personal care and concern. I'm not forgotten. He's, he's thinking about me. He loves me. I'm important to him. He values me. And imagine, I just, I just pictured tears. <laughs> Humility, gratitude, and tears. Knowing that this is my God who's dying for me. I remember a few years ago, Michelle and I had just come to Memphis and we were going through a really tough season adjusting here and I was really, I was questioning a lot, God, why am I here? This rat hole? (laughs) How do I get out of this place? You're laughing because some of you thought that, yeah. How do I get out of this place quick? What am I doing here? I feel called to missions, I feel called to ministry and I'm working at J. Crew. resigned a job to fold shirts, like what is this? Why, you know, why, why, why? And just wondering and questioning. And Michelle was in the first year of med school, and some of you guys know what that's like. Ooh, there's a lot of questions, right? Soul searching. God, have you forgotten me? <laughs> yeah. And I remember we got a phone call one night. We didn't even pick it up. It was from a friend who was in our wedding. We hadn't seen her or talked to her in years, and she had no idea what we were going through. She lived in California. She left a message on the answering machine, and literally, we got it the next morning. It was like overnight, a really weird time. And we listened to the message, and she said, hey, Baron Michelle, just calling. She said, you are really on my mind. She said, I was talking about you and a group of friends. They don't know much about you. She said, but God gave us a word for you. She said, and I can't explain it other than we knew I was supposed to call and tell you what I'm about to tell you. And she proceeded to speak to us. She had no clue what we were going through. And she told us specific things about, I mean, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. She told us that I would be a planter. That would, Michelle would come behind what is planted and make things beautiful. She spoke to Michelle about the beauty that God sees in her and the wonder of a creation that she is to the Lord. She spoke about some things that were coming in our future, she felt. 
And I know some of you are immediately thinking that's weird because I thought that was weird too. But what I knew was that that was of God. And that was a word that I needed right then and there. What kind of God does that? To not only take care of your salvation, listen, if all we knew was that we'd be with him forever, that'd be wonderful and it would be enough. But what kind of God calls you in the middle of the night to speak to you in a time of great darkness, the beauty of his light? I'll tell you the kind of God that does that. The God that's hanging on the cross, paying for our sins and still caring for his mom. The God that's on the cross, paying for your sins and telling you that he wants to take care of you. Cast all your burdens on the Lord, for he cares for you. Let me pray. God, we thank you for your word this morning, for the wonder that is your love, your love given to us. We haven't earned it. We don't deserve it. We thank you, God, for your love. As you speak this morning from the cross, Lord, you speak to us of part of who you are, the beauty of who you are, God, and the wonder of what you've accomplished for us. Not only our salvation, God, we thank you that you did not spare your son, that we might have life, that we might be saved. We thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that if there's any person that hasn't received forgiveness, that haven't received reconciliation this morning, I pray they would hear your voice and your spirit calling out into the darkness of their hearts and saying, come home. Because that is part of why you died and that's available to everyone who repents and believes. But Lord, we thank you this morning that not only did you accomplish that from the cross, but Lord, you promised to take care of us in every need that we have in our life. Lord, you are a great God. We thank you for your personal and wonderful, intimate care of us. God, forgive us when we don't think that you care for us in the way that you do. When we only think you care about big things and not little things. God, teach us more of your love today. Teach us to surrender all things to you and to trust you always for you care for your people. Thank you for the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.